0: Welcome listeners, hello, this is Eve Sturgis and you are listening to Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. If you've listened to any episodes, you know how silly I think that name is, but um, I digress. I uh, am here to talk about DNA surprises, DNA discoveries, and most importantly, or more to the point, I wanna talk with people who have discovered as adults that one or more of their parents are not their parents. It can happen all sorts of ways. It happens through adoption. It happens through donor conception. It happens through infidelity. It happens through trauma. Um, and I want to talk about it in all the different ways. So I have this podcast. That's what we're doing here. I am trying something totally different today. Um, two, two things, a little bit different. And then also something that I have done before, but, you know how normally I come on and I talk and then I say, like, I'm going to roll the tape. And then I play an episode that may have actually happened a long time ago, like a conversation. So I have to separately record my like this greeting, this this what I'm doing right now. We call it an intro, folks. And I say like, hey, it's Eve. This is what's going on in my life. This is a podcast this is what we do. And then this is when I'm going to talk to this person. So today I'm trying something different. I have the person with me right now. In the intro she's in the intro she is present um i don't even know how to say her last name horselt our salt. so our, our like time our salt. belt Okay, okay like so i have got <laughs> our salt. i have alexis horselt with me right now i want to say in the studio except we're on zoom um so that's gonna this is gonna be a little bit different in That i'm not gonna roll a tape like this is the tape rolling <laughs> it's happening right now she's here with me um and we thought it would be fun to sort of swap stories tell each other how how our own dna discoveries have happened and how they've affected us and what motivated each of us to start podcasts and then we're going to do what we call a crossover episode where we both post them so if you're listening to alexis right now on her podcast awesome uh, and if you're listening to Alexis on my podcast, awesome. But that way, everybody wins. Um, and we just thought it would be fun to mix it up a little bit. Do something different. Do something different. I'm super excited to have Alexis. Her podcast is called DNA Surprises. Yes. She's kind of the hot new podcast on the scene <laughs> with the <laughs> DNA discovery genre. She And she's really good. I have to say, Alexis, I really admire the way that you manage to make um more better consistent and different types of content on your social media if you're not following alexis please do at dna surprises yes right yeah thank um you. yeah you've got all the like all your you have doing all the thing. like i just went to this conference to learn about you know marketing and podcasts and design and stuff and they were like you have got you've done all the things right like you're doing reels you're doing tiktoks you're doing lives. You're doing, you're doing posts. Everything is consistent. You have like these lovely colors, like everything.
1: <laughs> you're just like check all the boxes. And I'm like, Oh, to be fair, I have a marketing background. So okay. that probably helps.
0: Yeah. That is totally it. Marketing background. Um, do you still work in marketing?
1: I don't, I'm more in the communications world, but it's still kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Being consistent, having branding, I'm big on branding. Um, all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And, and it's fun because the podcast DNA surprises is a little more serious because a lot of the stories, it's people sharing their stories and their traumas and it's heavy. And so with the social media side, I kind of like to have fun with it, post silly reels and, you know, things like that to kind of lighten it up because I think there's, there's both parts, right? It's, it can be extremely difficult and painful. And also, I have to laugh sometimes. Maybe that's just my coping mechanism. But I also think that there is humor in some of the situations. So Oh, my
0: God. I mean, that's what I've been saying all this time. Yep. Um, I feel like we are such kindred spirits. I think you've probably put more thought into it with your marketing background about how to ba- make that balance. Like, I'm constantly struggling with with how to how to how to encourage us all to laugh about it and also acknowledge the really heavy stuff and it doesn't make sense to blend it in a in an episode for example um i have received some criticism about that and that's fine that's fair i'm just out here being myself i'm just doing the best i can but oh, i like no. what you've done i like what Thank you've done you, you know when Thank you see you. someone do something and you're like oh that right cool um so where are you right now in
1: I am in Tucson,
0: Arizona. You are. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. and you are in California? Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. So not so far. Okay. And sidebar, I noticed um, on some social media commenting recently that you said to some people, I can't wait to see you in July in Phoenix.
1: Are yes. you gonna be
0: at the retreat in Phoenix? I am. Awesome. I am. Cool. So am I. I know you're gonna okay. be okay. yeah. <laughs> <I'm> excited <laughs> to meet you. Yeah. So, um, excellent. But hey, let me talk to you about something else really quick first. Did you know that I consider myself a casual vegetarian? Yeah, when I'm not making this podcast, I'm also not eating meat. Whether you're a vegetarian or not, you may have discovered non-dairy creamers, and I love oat milk. So I'm going to tell you real quick about Willa's Kitchen. Willa's was founded by two sisters who were tired of plant-based milks that were mostly made of artificial, highly processed ingredients and loads of sugar, rather than actual plants. Plus, their grandmother Willa's recipe used real organic ingredients to create a deliciously smooth oat milk, and they thought, why not bring hers to the world instead? As they started on their entrepreneurial journey, they kept learning more and more about the way plant-based milks are normally made. Heavy processing, loads of food waste, and lots of funny business, including ingredients like rapeseed and canola oil that they didn't want to be drinking or feeding their kids every day. The biggest shocker they found was that oat milk is typically made with the oat sugar, and the best part of the oats are filtered out. This results in oat milk with a super sweet taste without all the benefits of the oats. Willa's is made with the entire oat, which gives it a rich, smooth taste and maintains all the oats' protein and prebiotic fiber, which makes Willa's zero food waste. It's not just a healthier, more sustainable milk. It's super tasty. And I can tell you, listeners, they sent me a box, and I'm loving it. Willa's has been highlighted in Bon Appetit not once, but three times. Find Willa's Oat Milk at williskitchen.com. That's W-I-L-L-A-S-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com or on Amazon. If you use the promo code, everything's relative, you get 20% off and you'll be supporting this podcast. That's promo code, everything's relative to get 20% off. Okay. Thanks. Back to the show. Let's see. You've had a DNA discovery. We know that. We know that much. Yes. So... Why don't you just go ahead and tell me, give me um, the Cliffs notes of your childhood, and then I'll give you the Cliffs notes of my childhood?
1: Sure. So I grew up a military brat. My parents were Air Force, and they met in Spain. Um, and that's sort of the origin story that I was always told. They met in Spain. My mom got pregnant soon after my parents started dating. And um, they didn't get married right away. She wanted to wait. And they got married when I was nine months old. So this was the story that I had believed. My mom is white. My dad is Mexican. So I grew up thinking that that was my racial background. Um, I've been questioned on it my whole life. But I have two younger sisters who look fairly similar to me. I was going to and- say, you look like that uh, That go- that. I live in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah. You pass for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you look Mexican, you look white. Like I would have, I wouldn't question, I wouldn't question half Mexican at all.
1: No. Um, but you know, being biracial, it's ambiguous. Um, my parents stayed married. They're still married. Like I said, I'm one of three girls and, um, really never questioned anything about my cultural background. I, struggled with feeling like I fit in with the Mexican side, but I attributed that to being biracial and having a closer connection to my mom's family than my dad's family. So really just went through my whole life like getting questioned, are you black? Are you Hawaiian? Are you Italian? Are you Puerto Rican? Are you like everything? And I'm like, no, I'm just Mexican. This is how I turned out. And yeah, so I was completely blindsided when I found out. What about you? So um, thank you for asking,
0: Alexis, I, my childhood was um, uh, not, not, I was going to say it was similar. It wasn't similar at all, but I'll tell you what the part that was similar, but um, I, I think really what's what really what I was connecting to was like just having an origin story that you learn and, and is the, is the narrative um, and people questioned if I was related to my family. But um, they didn't do it to you. But I mean, like questioning sort of like, who, who, what are you? Um, and anybody that's seen me, it often had to do with my eyebrows, which now we're looking at 25 years of waxing and shaping right. these guys. Right. So previous to that, they were m- even bigger, even darker, much more prominently featured on my face. Uh, okay. So my childhood, I describe it as uh, my parents were high school sweethearts and um the story is is that we lived on the east coast and and then my parents decided that they wanted to be closer to family and it made more sense to move back to the west coast so then we moved to this small town in northern california called petaluma there were four of us growing up four kids um and the Most important variable to me was that there was um, on the West, sorry, on the East Coast. And then for the first maybe 10 years of my life, we were extremely evangelical, born again, fundamentalist, whatever word you want to use, Christian. Mm -hmm. And even at 10, when I like, if I say first 10 years of my life, it was like that. The fade out was slow. And my parents, I think, still have have redefined their faith in a new way. So they really bristle when I say like fundamentalist or they get <laughs> like, they. but um, but when I tell people the details of that life, everyone's like, OK, yeah, that's you know, it was pretty I don't I don't know what else to call it. I know i pretty was, full in yeah. the blank, like fundamentalist. So it was all about it was about missionaries. It was about Jesus. It was about saving yourself for marriage. That was the big one Um, and it was very chaotic. There was lots of other things happening in my family uh, that I don't talk about so much on the podcast, but it was a very, very chaotic and very stressful time, probably more so for my parents than for me. And so as far as feeling like I fit in, I didn't really feel like I fit in, but I attributed it more to my other family dynamics. And then people would ask me all the time, are you adopted? Uh, My brother and my sister both have blonde hair and blue eyes both my parents have bright blue eyes. So yeah. So those are the things, those are the things that I look at when I think about my childhood. Of course we could pick and pull all sorts of of things oh, yes. within There's there.
1: so much, right? Are you the, you're the oldest of three? I am. Well, yes, I'm the <laughs> oldest. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I am. I am the oldest of three that I knew of. Um, there was, and I did, I haven't talked about this on, on the podcast before, but there actually was a surprise older brother that came from my dad's side when I was 14. Ah. So I did experience Ah. what it's like to be on the other side of a DNA surprise, so to speak, Um, and how traumatizing that was to my family to go through that. And um, (laughs) I think that kind of added this layer of complexity to my own discovery was like, okay, well, we already went through this and you saw what this did. Why didn't you tell me when I was that age or before? Yeah, Alexis, what are the chances? And I guess
0: that's part of of what we're talking about in our podcast is that actually the chances are very high. (laughs) Yes, extremely high. The chances are actually very high that you've got a DNA surprise in your life. But if I didn't know that and I hadn't been doing this podcast and I hadn't been, you know, like within the, the NPE community for the past few years, I would, I would be like, the chances must be like one in 10 billion that you would right. witness it and then experience it. But no, nope. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So you were 14 and how yeah. old was the, how old was this? Tell me, can you tell me a little bit?
1: Do you want to talk? Yeah, about, sure. About that? Yeah, so, what, ha- what happened? So my, my dad, he had dated somebody when he was like in high school, kind of the typical story that you hear a lot. Um, And he joined the Air Force. She got pregnant and told him that it wasn't his. And leave her alone. It's not yours. And knowing my dad, like, especially everything I know now, he is extremely noble, wants to do the right thing. So he obliged, I mean, he he was going to, you know, probably marry her. That's probably what he would have done knowing my dad. But she told him, no, it wasn't his, and then never really heard anything. I never knew that this child existed growing up or anything like that. And then when the child turned 18, he came forward and actually sued my parents for back child support. So that's how he was introduced, was through a lawsuit.
0: Wow. I, I'm sure I'm not alone.
1: I did not see
0: that coming. Yeah.
1: Whoa. Whoa. So they did a paternity test and confirmed and it was in fact, my dad's son. And, um, unfortunately, like no relationship really came from that. My dad tried. Oh, really? But, really? Yeah. They didn't
0: become friends right away yeah, when he showed no. up in the
1: <laughs> But you know what? My, my dad, like the kind of person, my dad is like the best man and he Um, wanted to have a relationship with him, but his son just really wasn't very interested. I I don't know what he was told growing up. I really don't, you know, but it was hard. It was really, really hard on my family to experience that. And like I said, it made it even more complicated for me in some ways when then I found out that I was an NPE. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep.
0: I relate to that element. So what did happen for you with your DNA discovery? What led to it?
1: So like I said, I was blindsided. I had absolutely no idea. Um, I had put an Ancestry DNA kit on my Amazon list years ago, just thinking, oh, you know, it's a good gift idea. I don't want, really want for anything, but this is something I'm curious about. So if you want to get me a gift, here's an idea, right? And nobody ever got it for me, which looking <laughs> back, i like, I wonder why.
0: <laughs> oh my God.
1: Yeah. I like was like, no one ever got it. And I didn't even think about that. Like, oh yeah, Yeah. of course. Yeah. So, um, there was like a prime day deal last year and, you know, COVID board, in the house. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm just going to get it for myself. And I did. And I sent it off. I remember my mother-in-law was at my house and I was like, Hey, can you drop this off at the post office on your way back home? And she was like, Ooh, you're doing one of these. And like she had no idea but <laughs> she was even like, ooh. And I said, yeah, I, I'm curious about my ethnic background and and that's really what it was about was because when my dad's mom, when my paternal before grandmother died, she was researching like which Indian tribes we descended from on the Mexican side. And she died before she ever really got a lot of answers. She died in 2009. So I thought, well, I can find out some of this information. I'm really curious about that stuff. So that's why I took the test. And um, six weeks later, I'm like sitting at my computer. I work from home, about to join a meeting. I've just taken a new job, um, leading a team. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. sure.
0: Put you in a leadership position Yep. right before those results roll in.
1: Oh, yeah. And um, I check my my phone and I see that I have my ancestry results and log on. And I see my my uh, genetic breakdown first, the the ethnic report. And I look and I see that there is no Mexican, no Hispanic, nothing at all. I'm actually African-American and descended from early Carolinas african-americans and i'm floored i have no idea what to make of this instantly of course like everyone else this is a mistake this is wrong somehow they mixed up my sample so i go to my matches and i actually have a parent-child match shit (laughs) yeah oh my god alexis yeah and his username is unclear like it's such a typical like boomer like username Mm -hmm. (laughs) you cannot tell who he is based on his username Mm -hmm. it was like Damien plus a bunch of numbers or Mm -hmm. something totally okay I don't know maybe his name's Damien then I guess yeah um and I'm like okay this is a mistake and I'm looking down the other results and I see my mom's brother on there and when I saw him I still, the denial was so strong that I was like, it's a partial mistake. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) okay, well, they messed up one part, but they didn't mess up the other part.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Totally. 50% mistake.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I called my sister, my younger sister right away and was just like, this is what I found. She told me to call my mom. I called her and I knew right away something was wrong because my mom's response was not what I would have expected. Mm-hmm. My mom and I, I always considered us to be very close. I guess I mm-hmm. should have said that about my childhood. Very close family, very close to my mom. And she was just like, this is so shocking. Like, just like that, <laughs> like, just kind of dead. <laughs> like, this is so shocking.
0: This and is I was so like-
1: shocking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like, like a Siri, a Siri voice or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was like, this doesn't sound like you're shocked. Um, And then I remember saying, is there any way that it's a mistake? And she said, what test did you take? I told her I took Ancestry. And she said, well, from what I've seen on Maury Povich, those tests are really accurate. And I'm like, are you joking right now? Like, I'm sort of freaking out. And with that, I had to join my meeting for work. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, mom.
0: Please hold. Please hold. I have to go. Be myself in my real life i love moms i love these stories of and i I, this is not um i don't mean this to be uh, like i uh, against your mom or anything but the things that they who knows like i feel i my heart really goes out to them in that moment so many moms but i love these stories of what they say like it's just so weird like what on earth came to her that made her think that Maury Povich was the thing to to reference, right? Or like Exactly. exactly. Someone in one of my yes. episodes the what did she do? They were just sitting there and her mom was like, I forget how she said it was Laurie's episode from season 1, but she says like, if you did have a different dad. Like just like just these funny like ways of like this is how I'll approach it.
1: I'll be calm and cool.
0: Right. Oh, you're I, I mean,
1: I truly believe like if I was writing a screenplay Based on this experience, it would definitely be a dark comedy. It would Mm -hmm. not be Mm -hmm. just a drama because there's those moments where you're just like, what? That's so weird. So I, uh, I got on my call. I, I was completely dissociating at that point. I don't remember anything. I don't think I said very much. Um, instantly was like calling my husband. Of course, my husband was out of town when this happened and called my best friend, um, did not hear back from my parents. Really. They did not call me. They did not come over. They live five minutes from me. And my mom sent me a text later that day that said, I talked to your dad and he said, he loves you no matter what you're still his daughter. And we were seeing other people at the time that you were conceived. So it is possible.
0: So if we make it no big deal, you will make it no big deal.
1: Is that kind of the idea? It's kind of what I felt like.
0: We'll be chill, she'll be chill. It's
1: chill. Yeah, like just over text. And I texted my dad and said, can you please come over here? Like, and he went to work. He went to work, he had to go to work, but there was a long period where he could have come over and did not. And so I thought that was weird. Um, my sisters came over that night and were comforting me while I just kept saying over and over, is this really happening? This is not real. Like, is it possible? And I think I just kept repeating that script over and over again because I could not believe it. Um, my kids, I don't really remember like having them, putting them to bed or doing any of those kinds of things, but I know I did. They're still alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Yeah. It may have just been like a pizza delivery night.
1: yeah night for movies exactly Mm -hmm. and um the next day my parents came over and told me the truth and the truth was that uh my dad starts out talking and my mom says nothing she's just crying on the couch and my dad says i met you and your mom at the same time when you were two months old oh Mm -hmm. yes
0: that is different
1: that is different. That's than a, lot a different sto- story. Will, and that's different than what you had learned. Oh, correct. I thought I had this feminist origin story where my mom was like, I don't need no man. I'm going to do it on my own. And if we get along, I'll marry you. And if not, and I always loved that story. Mm-hmm. Like, I just loved that my mom didn't just get married to my dad because she was pregnant. Like, I thought that was amazing. And you know, she'd been told to have an abortion when she got pregnant with me because she wasn't married and she didn't. And, you know, I'm pro-choice and I totally support people that choose to do that. But I, you know, respected the fact that she knew she wanted to have a baby and she was willing to do it alone if she had to. But what the reality was, was that my mom was in a relationship with someone who was abusive Mm. and he was not happy about her pregnancy. And, they I kind of don't go into a ton of the details there, but they she left him, went through the pregnancy alone, and then met my dad when I was two months old. And he so did to raise me. It does take a dark <laughs> it just turn. just took a dark turn. It I does take a dark turn. I keep saying I didn't see that coming, like, but yeah, that was a left. I'm telling you, dark that. comedy. But so here's where we get back to the dark comedy part is. the the person that my mom was with was actually Puerto Rican and I'm not Puerto Rican. I'm African-American. Right. So I don't know the circumstances of what exactly happened around that time. If it was an Mm -hmm. on again, off again relationship or what, but that man who they thought was my biological father is not my biological father, someone else. Guys, we've got a double MPE
0: here in the house. Yeah. Double, maybe triple if we count your, tri- your brother coming in on the other, <laughs> know, from the other it's, direction.
1: It's wild. So I'm this sitting there.
0: rare. We do not see these often in the no, wild.
1: No. So I'm, I'm sitting there on the couch listening to this story and they just kept saying like, we thought you were Puerto Rican. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I'm not You're so close to Mexican, so close, not not different at all." Mm-mm. And I was like, "I'm not Mexican. I'm not Mexican. I'm not Hispanic. And I'm actually black." And you saw me struggle with my racial identity my whole life. How could you have just known this? And they're like, "Well, we thought you were Puerto Rican." Like that was just the response. <laughs> we thought you were Puerto Rican, and I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm not." And Puerto Rican also isn't the same thing as Mexican. But they didn't know. And I know that that is very heartbreaking for my dad, especially because he really felt like he was doing the noble thing. He Mm -hmm. thought he was protecting me from someone. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that my bio dad is a perfectly nice person who maybe had a very short relationship with my mom. They don't remember each other at all, which is kind of weird for me. But yeah, that's how I found out. Wow! And how long ago was that? This was in July of last year, 2021.
0: Oh, hello, folks. We are not even one year old.
1: No. It's oh my. Fresh. God. Very oh my fresh. Gosh, Alexis.
0: Pardon this interruption. You know something I've been thinking about a lot over here at Everything's Relative podcast? Sex. So let's talk about setting the mood. That's right, the mood. You know, when you want to get intimate, or perhaps. After you've gotten intimate, be it by yourself or with a partner, there is something you need to have on your nightstand. MAUD. MAUD is redefining what sexual wellness and modern intimacy looks like. They are creating a whole new chapter in the outdated sexual wellness industry. MAUD makes modern, body safe, and high quality essentials for before, during, and after sex. They have a whole variety of products, like vibrators, lubricants, and condoms. Their products are absolutely beautiful, with a lot of attention paid to design, sustainability, and simplicity. Basically, if sexual wellness has a name, it would be Maud. Honestly, these are products you want to be seen in your bedroom, instead of hiding them. And I don't know if you guys know how ad partnerships work with podcasts, but they sent me some products. And let's just say everyone here at Everything's Relative, everyone is satisfied. One of the coolest things about Mod is that it is a female led Latinx founded company. Their founder, Ava, created Mod for all bodies, all genders, all races. Dakota Johnson just joined Mod as their co creative director. Hello. And guess what? You, listeners of Everything's Relative podcast, are getting a treat from Mod. As our partner, Mod is giving $5 off your first order on all products with the code Everything's Relative. Head over to getmod.com forward slash everything's relative. That's get M-A-U-D-E dot com and use everything's relative to get $5 off your first order. Enjoy the mood setting.
1: So what was yours?
0: Oh, How okay. You? <laughs> quick, quick, jump to it.
1: No. Mine,
0: mine, was, mine was different in that I did not take, I didn't start with the DNA test because mine came via phone call. And the like funny details are that or the things that make it weird is that it wasn't just a phone call, which is weird enough, but it was a message to my husband asking for a phone call about me. So my husband sent me the face. What's it called? It was Facebook message. My husband sent me the, the screenshot and said, does this mean anything to you? And I was like, no, please call this person immediately. And it was a man who said, like, I believe I'm i'm eve's real father and so then we took a dna test because that Mm. seemed like the the next indicated logical step to take like there wasn't and i wouldn't i would i will definitely not say i wasn't freaking out because i was freaking out but there was no i felt like there was no need to freak out and no need to create like total family destruction or like if it was wrong if he was wrong we could just go on our way, but um, he was definitely correct. So I waited for the for that before I contacted my family. Um, and I still was very, I mean, I was like very, very worried for my mom because I had mentioned earlier, like we had a chaotic childhood and I was just worried for their level of like stress. It was like they have had, they have had a rough go of it um, and gone through a lot and faced a lot of challenges. And I just wasn't sure that I wanted to introduce a new one. Sure. And of course now, like in retrospect, that's interesting because of course, this is, this is a chaos of their own making. And I was still hesitant. I feel sort of like a caretaking obligation to my parents, which I think a lot of people feel and a lot of people don't. Um, but that's just like where I fell on it. Um, not so much that I didn't start a podcast because I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, So that guy who is my real father, we confirmed with him that the information was like, yes, you are my real father. And then I said, okay, could you just like, give me some time? I just like need a minute to take this in. And he said, absolutely. I completely understand. We've been waiting for you all this time. turns out there's a whole family of people that have known about me all along. And then he died. Oh. So I never met him. Um, And so he's, so I have a kind of, I have siblings. Do you have siblings?
1: New siblings? I do. I have two sisters and two brothers. Oh, An wow. older sister from a previous relationship. And then after me, he had three more kids.
0: Mm-hmm and oh and i guess i should just just because you did you sort of told the story of like your your narrative is that this person my my biological father uh he did know my parents there uh there was a relationship of some kind length length unknown or seriousness of it is like very unclear but um and it's the story that you hear so often in these rooms about them being extremely young. And my dad, the man who raised me, traveling and working extremely hard as a young guy and being a salesman out on the road. So he was gone for long lengths of time, and my mom being very lonely. And then part of the story I think includes probably some like manipulation and taking advantage of of a young, naive person. But it turns out that that when my mom was pregnant with me. They knew there was a possibility. Both of them knew. And then they immediately were like, okay, so we'll handle this by moving to the West Coast and never speaking of it again. Okay. So there's like a lot to explore about like denial. And I mean, I know you're relating to me um, about denial and about acceptance and about things being what you want them to be and what your brain needs them to be. And there's lots of like details that just don't make any sense. They're like, there's no way he could know. There's no way he could know. But I look just like him. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, two blue-eyed parents can't have a brown-eyed baby. right. you know, and and things like that. So, and he'd been thinking of you all those years. Yeah, he says he says he always knew. And I you know, I don't that's a there's no way for me to know. This Like it's, right. it's, it's, you know, I have like what he told me and these pieces I've put together based on, I spoke with his, um, he had a wife for like 30 years. So I spoke with her for a long time and, and then I'm getting to know all these siblings. And so I'm picking up these pieces, but the idea is that, uh, you know, his, his side of the story is that he always knew, um, uh, my parents' side of the story is that that was just a lucky guess.
1: Wow. 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 Wow.
0: Yeah. So, you know, they say there's like three sides, you know, or three sides of the truth. Like there's, mm-hmm his side, her side and what really happened. So, yeah. And I don't, I don't feel like it's necessary to like put, you know, put my mom's feet to the fire. She's speaking of crying. I mean, she's, they're very, very, very upset about this and it's been four years. So they're in a much better place than they were when I first came to them, but it's still really hard.
1: Yeah. I would love to talk to you about that dynamic because, you know, I heard what you said that you, you feel protective of your mom and your dad, you still started a podcast and i same thing i still feel very protective of my parents and one of the things that i have struggled with with starting a podcast is that guilt about outing them mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. and you know having that social media presence and talking about it openly and trying to destigmatize this whole thing because i really do think shame is what leads to us like
0: empty. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, when you said your mom just sat there and cried, it's like, oh god, I relate to that so much. Like,
1: yeah. So like, how did you come to terms with I'm going to be open about this and I'm protective of my parents?
0: I don't know if I've come to terms with it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about that. I I went to therapy and I talked to a lot of people and i waited out um weighed out pros and cons a lot with like my brother you know people that that know my parents I well when i say that people that know my parents only my brother is the only person i talked to (laughs) as far as who knows um and i don't know how to i don't know exactly how to explain it except that the drive to do it just remained so strong Mm -hmm. and Maybe there was a little bit of comfort in knowing that a podcast is not as widely aired as um, the local news or, uh, I don't know, or like local radio station. Like it wasn't, I knew it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was a little bit of comfort in that and knowing that the demographic and the audience would be very specific. Yeah. And just felt so much stronger about my need. To destigmatize my need to spread the word, um, my need to talk about it, my recognition of other people needing to talk. I just, that all just felt so much stronger. And they have their own story and their own journey and their own, um, what do I wanna say? Their own understanding of right and wrong and what the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do is. And mine is
1: different. Yeah. Have you, have you talked to them about the podcast?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They know Um, they, well, yeah, a little bit. They know there's a podcast. They have listened to a few. They want to be really supportive. That is one thing I think that like, I really wish I could or want to shout from the rooftops. I wish everybody could know how supportive they want to be, which is sort of heartbreaking is like, they want to support. They have supported every single project of mine, my entire life, no matter what, no matter if they were terrible ideas or good ideas or R-rated ideas or, you know, like like I think it was probably before now, the craziest thing I did was like I brought the vagina monologues to my college campus, like in college. Mm-hmm. And they came and saw it and they were like, "That's amazing!" whoa, you know, um, <laughs> and it was controversial. And I yeah. So so they wanted to be supportive and they they are supportive in so much as my dad will say, like, so how's the podcast going? like every once in a while, but they admitted that after a few episodes, they couldn't listen anymore. It was too upsetting. Yeah. I just came out with this this notebook, right? And they, I showed it to them and they kind of leafed through it, you know? And they were like, okay. And it was, was kind of quiet. I wouldn't say the room was tense, but it was a little bit, there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm present. Sure, um, sure. So I'm trying to just learn how to hold both things, hold all things. Coexist with them. Um, and of course, hoping that I will get more confident about asking them the questions that I want to ask or talking with them about the hard stuff, which they insist I can do, but they get so upset that I can't bear it. How about you? Yeah. You started your podcast fast.
1: I did. So I podcasted before with one of my friends and I knew I, that kind of ended. It was just very light friends talking kind of podcast. And I knew I wanted to do something else. And it was funny, because that actually ended in July 2021. And then this happened. And I sat with it, you know, for a few months. And then in October, I was like, I think this is it. I think I want to do a, a podcast letting people tell their stories. I did not Talk to my parents about it at all, but I would say at that point things were pretty estranged between us. Mm. Um, it's been it's been a slow road to rebuilding the relationship. I felt extremely betrayed by them. I understood why they did it, and and I I get the initial decision. I just wish that they told me when I was younger. Just the way that I would expect a child who was adopted to be told when they're young, and so I, I just decided to do it, and I also jumped right into therapy. <laughs> so right. that good, helped. Good. Good.
0: good. Yeah. What's yeah, interesting yeah. about your story and and similar stories is that, um, I yeah, like I, I completely agree with you that I, I mean, I'm just from sitting from where I'm sitting, I completely understand what your parents were thinking that it would mm-hmm. seem like it would be better if your if your dad was your biological dad and let's just create this narrative. But also it's a really wonderful story in and of itself as the truth. Like this man came yes. and he met he met you and he loved you and decided he wanted to be your dad so he became your dad. Yeah. Like that is a mm-hmm. wonderful story. So it's too bad. It's too bad that they thought the other way would would, would be better not knowing of course that Facebook and the internet and 23andMe was all going to come around 20 years later, you know, like, of course, 30 years later, like
1: they, you know, but. Yeah. And, And that layer of it, I think, too, that that who they thought was my biological father was not is really what complicates it even further, because they discovered then that they kind of robbed me of a relationship that I could have had and cultural experiences that I could have had. In Arizona, there's not a large black community. And my biological father lives in Montgomery, Alabama. So large black community there. And there's a lot of things that I feel like I was not exposed to. And in a lot of ways I feel even stranger about my cultural identity because now it's like <laughs> I felt like I never fit in with the Mexican side. And now I feel like I'm trying to play catch up with the black side. And, you know, it's it's funny because I always was drawn to African-American culture, clothing, music, all of those things were things I was always into. It's really funny. My, my brother-in-law, when he found out about my DNA surprise, he said to my sister, well, hasn't Alexis always kind of been black, though? <laughs> like, okay. And I thought, It's true. <laughs> it's kind of true. Like the whole nature versus nurture thing there's always been some part of me that has been drawn to those cultural touch points. So far as I actually moved to North Carolina with my husband after we got married, because I just really liked it. His mom lived there and we wanted to try something new and it felt like home to me. And then I found out that my biological father actually grew up an hour and a half from where we moved. Whoa. And You just find those things and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, the unthought known. Yeah. The unthought
0: known. I love that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I love it too. So yeah, I, you know, my dad has liked the posts about Mm -hmm. the podcast, you know, when I do those kinds of things, Uh, my mom hasn't said anything about it Mm. at all.
0: Interesting.
1: I don't expect her to, but I think what I'm, the way I view it is it's my story I'm not putting anything out there about them that I would consider embarrassing. I'm very hyper aware due to my childhood about how the things that I say affect other people. I really don't want to cause any additional shame for her because I know that a lot of this is wrapped up in shame. Mm -hmm. But one of the things my therapist told me that I just love is that some of us have to heal in front of everyone so that. Other people don't have to. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and that's really what I see. What we're doing here mm-hmm. with our podcast is we're giving people a platform to heal publicly. We're healing publicly, and hopefully, we're supporting people out there who maybe don't feel comfortable sharing their stories, but are really going through it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been through. I've been
0: through some hard things in my life, but nothing has felt as isolating as. The DNA discovery. Nothing felt. Nothing made me feel like I was the only person on the whole planet going through something mm-hmm. that no one else had ever gone through or would understand. Yeah. And of course, that's not true, but I had I felt um, like sort of on fire with that feeling, and it was mm-hmm. such a relief, such a relief to connect with other people. So, w- is that how you would describe your goal of the podcast? Do you have a goal?
1: Yeah, so my goal is to provide support for people like us through hearing stories shared. And then through that sharing to hopefully reduce the shame and stigma associated with these kinds of situations. People have affairs. People have one night stance. People adopt children. People need reproductive assistance. All of those things happen and there's nothing to be ashamed of if a baby results from any of those things. And it's best to be honest about that so that these traumas that happen to us as adults stop happening. Like my goal would be for there to be no more NPEs in the future. (laughs) Good goal. That is my hope for the future. Do I think that it's feasible? No, I think that there will always be NPEs, but it would be great if there were a lot less of us because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Like we're here. What's your goal? Oh, I couldn't uh, just like agree with you
0: more and just feel so aligned with like everything you've said, Alexis. My goal has been to reduce the stigma. I really want to talk about shame And, and I think one thing that I'm interested in, and I I don't know if I, if I, if I focus on it out loud, but I'm really interested in the way that culturally and and society and sort of like our patriarchal paradigm has created this system that makes women, not only women, the carriers of the situation, but the women end up being the the holders of the shame. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And why and where and when did we decide that there needed to be all these rules about sex and that everyone, it feels like to me, everyone would pretend that those are the rules we follow when clearly the number of NPEs are showing that that
1: is not the rules we follow. So why are we doing that? Right. (laughs) It's like, I want to talk about that. Why is it okay for people in their 20s to have one night stands and that kind of thing that we kind of just accept in our culture? But then once somebody gets pregnant from it, it becomes an entirely different thing. Totally different.
0: Yeah, completely shifts. There's just so many double standards. Nothing makes sense. And the result is that all of this shame is traumatizing people. So yeah, I want to talk about it. So hopefully between you and between me and between the other podcasts that are around, we can form this like coalition of (laughs) information and like shame killing, shame release, relieving, relieving or something.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you do with your podcast. You know, I know you said that you've gotten feedback before that the humor (laughs) is is not, is not good, but I think it's great because like I said, I, there is humor in everything and we have to be able to laugh. Otherwise I don't even know where I'd be right now if I wasn't able to laugh a little bit. Um, my sister and I laugh about it all the time, and I remember like when it first happened. My sisters would make these just really dry jokes about the situation, and then I'd kind of look at them and I'd be like, "I'll allow it." Yeah, <laughs> you know? we yep. just kind of laugh. yep. <laughs> But but it is a fine line because then depending sure. on the day, sometimes it would just hit me wrong, and I'm like, "I don't I don't want to laugh about it today," you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think. Yeah, I think that's the key is knowing knowing yourself and knowing like when you want to laugh about it and when you don't, and going to the appropriate like resource accordingly. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, absolutely. If you're not in the mood to laugh about it, don't go to the people that do. Um, Yeah, I want to hear more
1: about your workbook that's coming out because I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for asking. Some of the rollout has been totally backwards. I. A um, first-time workbook publisher, um, so it's it is technically now ready and available on Amazon. It is called "Who Even Am I Anymore." So, what I was looking for was some kind of, and this is where my my role as a therapist came in. To my experience, is that I started to really think about a way that people could have some kind of contained system. For processing this experience. And I'm not suggesting that this is all you need, and I'm not suggesting that it will heal you completely, but I think it can be really, really powerful to have a guide through a process. So I created this workbook journal. Um, It's got questions that are sort of open-ended prompts, and then it's got blank pages for you to write. And I really encourage people to to not think about it too hard and to write whatever comes to mind. Or if they can't write, they can scribble. Or if they can't scribble, they can get some crayons out and draw something. Um, but it, it, I really believe in containment. And this is a tool that we don't have in the MPE community, haven't had until now. So I thought it was really important to, um, to create one and start making – start really – Making or or creating the resources that I felt I wished I'd had in my first moments and and also that I wish for my fellow community. I love it. I really concentrated on on having the questions they're in a particular order. It's okay if you go out of order. You can do it by yourself or you can do it with groups. I encourage people to create groups around it and um, meet weekly or biweekly and um, discuss like what what they wrote or how it felt or what they think and um, yeah so I'm I am trying to be just brave about
1: being proud about it. You should be proud of it. I, I think almost every NPE I've had on the podcast so far has said there's no book, there's no guidebook, and with the addition of this workbook, and then I know Leanne. Hey, she has a book as well, which has a ton of resources mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see more resources.
0: Yeah. Well, I just love what you're doing with, um, with the way your podcast um, it offers this platform. And then I love all the ways that you're having fun with it. I think the more of us that talk about it, the better. Like, bring it on, podcasts. Let's all get to all our audiences.
1: I lifts all boats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is yeah. Room,
0: there's room for all of us. There's, there's room so for fun. all of us. It was so fun getting to talk to you. And I get to see you in, I'll see you in July. Yes, I'll, I'll see, see you, you. Before I see some of my friends, like my lifelong friends. I never see anymore because everybody's too busy, but I will see you in July. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and give me... Yeah. Throw me your handles. What do you, if people want to follow you on Instagram, go to your website,
1: like what do they do? Like everybody subscribe to DNA surprises. DNA surprises is the name of the podcast. It's wherever you listen to podcasts. DNA Surprises if you want to see the website. And then my handle on Instagram is DNA Surprises. And that's where you can see some of the reels and things that Eve was talking about earlier. I'm also on TikTok at DNA Surprises. And I recently started a Facebook community for podcast guests and listeners. So if you go to DNA Surprises Podcast Community on Facebook, you're welcome to join. This is a little smaller of a group than some of the really large ones. So it's can be less scary, but we're mm-hmm. all really supportive in there. And it's just really been awesome to, to see the community growing. So and what about you for anyone who's listening on DNA Surprises? Right? Where can people find you? I am at
0: everything's relative podcast.com. My Instagram and Facebook are both everything's relative podcast. My Twitter is Eve Sturgis, but you can find it with Everything's Relative podcast as well. I think those are all the all the ways to get a hold of me. Go to I also have a website, dot L.A., um, which will get you to all those places as well. Great. Yeah. Awesome. This cool. is awesome. And your podcast is I'm so, your, glad, to connect I'm with so glad. your podcast available is available on all the listening platforms.
1: All the listening platforms. Mine too. Apple, okay. Spotify everywhere
0: whatever the, whatever they are
1: yes. <laughs> it's like i always hear one
0: and i'm like oh okay great i'm glad i'm there too um cool great yeah this was so fun yeah this is so was fun great. i'm so i'm really excited uh about the episode but also just by hanging out with you after all that i forgot to include an outro with me and alexis so i have to come on here now and do it just like i used to oh well so much for trying to make my life easier I obviously had such a nice time talking with Alexis. Uh, and actually, when you are listening to this episode, the weekend it's released, she and I will be together in real life, in real time, at the Highereth Hope and Healing Retreat in Phoenix, Arizona. It's the same same weekend. I bet we're having a really fun time right now. I hope we're having some cold drinks because it's going to be really hot. I hope that you are having fun wherever you are. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I hope you are recovered from last weekend, 4th of July holiday. No matter how you feel about America, I hope that you're thinking about how to vote, make the change you want to see in the world. One way to vote for this podcast, Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis, is to give it a star rating on your listening platform and write a review. Such an impactful way to support me, if you can believe it. And... Now that you know about DNA Surprises with Alexis, go find that podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. Give her a review too. Okay, everyone, come back soon. Thank you so much for spending some time with me to talk about the issues surrounding the lives of those of us who have experienced DNA discoveries. I hope you've learned something. I hope you have laughed. I hope you feel comforted. I hope you feel like listening to another episode soon. I'll be back. I'm Eve Sturgis. This is Everything's Relative. Bye bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaelin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally, and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions.